Welcome to Torah Timecha Parsha with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Orly Kanner, and it is my pleasure to be learning Sefer Shemot with you. This week's Parsha is Parshat Truma, and I will begin as always with a brief summary of the Parsha. On the summit of Har Sinai, Moshe is commanded by Hashem, Va'asuli mikdash v'shachanti b'tocham. They shall make for me a sanctuary, and I shall dwell amidst them. To construct this Mishkan, B'nai Yisrael are called upon to contribute 13 materials, gold, silver, and copper, blue, purple, and red dyed wool, flax, goat hair, animal skins, wood, olive oil, spices, and gems. Moshe is given detailed instructions as to how to construct this dwelling for Hashem so that it could be readily dismantled, transported, and reassembled as the people journeyed in the desert. The Parsha goes on to discuss all the instructions and commandments regarding the building of this tabernacle and the vessels, the kalim, including the aron, the shulchan, the menorah, and the copper altar. In the sanctuary's inner chamber, what is referred to as the Kodesh Kedoshim, the Holy of Holies, behind an artistically woven curtain was the ark, the aron, containing the luchot, which were engraved with the Ten Commandments. On the ark's cover stood two winged kruvim, the cherubim, hammered out of pure gold. In the outer chamber stood the seven-branched menorah and the table, the shulchan, upon which the showbread, the lechem hapanim, was arranged. The sanctuary's three walls were fitted together from 48 upright wooden boards, each of which was overlaid with gold and held up by a pair of silver foundation sockets. The roof was formed of three layers of coverings. The first, tapestries of multicolored wool and linen. The second, a covering made of goat, goat hair. And third, a covering of ram and tachash skins. Across the front of the Mishkan was an embroidered screen held up by five posts. Surrounding the sanctuary and the copper-plated altar, which was stationed in front of the Kodesh, was an enclosure of linen hangings, supported by 60 wooden posts with silver hooks and trimmings, and reinforced by copper stakes. All of these instructions were commanded by Hashem to Moshe to construct after descending from Har Sinai. Parsha Truma begins with the instructions to fashion the Aaron, as mentioned, the Ark wherein the Luchot, the Ten Commandments, will be placed. To underscore the Ark's prominent role in the tabernacle and its preeminence, its fashioning is not only commanded first amongst the vessels, but also occupies a startling 13 psukim, far more than any of the other vessels in the Mishkan. There is, however, yet another significant difference in the instructions of the building of the Aaron that has piqued the interest of our commentaries throughout the ages. Whereas all the other kalim begin with the instructions by Hashem to Moshe, Ve'asita, and you shall fashion in the singular, it is only the Aaron that begins with the instructions, Ve'asu, and you shall fashion in the plural. Asks the Midrash and Shmot Rabbah, why, asks the Medrash, is the third person plural used here, they shall make, instead of the usual, second person singular. 
Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav Shalom that all come and occupy themselves with the Ark so that they should all qualify for the Torah. In elucidating this Midrash, the Ramban explains that Hashem wants all of Israel to join and participate in constructing the Aaron, that vessel that will house, house the Torah, so that all of B'nai Yisrael will feel that they have a part, that they too merit a share in Torah. The Midrash Tanchuma varies slightly from the Midrash Rabbah and offers another dimension to this notion. Hashem wants all of B'nai Yisrael to participate in the fashioning of the Ark to make sure that no one person feels that because they paid for it, built it, or donated more money or more gold for it, that they have a greater right or claim over Torah or more of a share in Torah than another. In fact, continues the Tanchuma, one is never even permitted to say to a ger, a convert, since my father and ancestors were Jewish way before you converted, received and learned Torah for generations, I have ancestral rights, a deeper connection, or more of a share in Torah than you. All of Israel have an equal share in owning, learning, and meriting Torah. A very different approach to explaining this plural ve'asu is proposed by the Or HaChayim. He suggests that the plural is coming to teach us that no one Jew alone is capable of observing the entirety of Torah. Many mitzvot can only be performed by Yisrael. Others must be performed by a Kohen, and others can only be performed by a Levi. Some mitzvot pertain only to a man, Others can be performed only by a woman. Some mitzvot are directed toward a king, others toward a prophet, many to the farmer, some to the shepherd, some to a businessman, and still others can only be performed by a judge. Complete observance of the entire Torah entails the participation of each and every member of Klal Yisrael, and it is for this reason that the mandate to fashion the repository for Torah is addressed to all of the Jewish people. There is, however, a second curious anomaly regarding the Aaron that is conspicuously missing with the other vessels, and that is the command to ensure that the poles, the badim of the ark, are not only fixed in the rings, the tabaot, on the sides of the Aaron, but that they are never removed. The Torah commands, Va'asita bade atze ishitim, vitsipita otam zahav, make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, vehevete etabadim batabaot, al tsalot haaron, laset etaharon bahem. Then we must insert the poles into the rings on the side walls of the ark for carrying the ark. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They cannot and shall not be removed from it. It is in fact codified lahalacha, one of the 613 mitzvot, a mitzvat lo ta'aseh, that it is forbidden to remove the poles from the rings of the Aaron, even when the ark is stationed in its place in the Holy of Holies. Why? Why is this prohibition not legislated for the other vessels, which are also fashioned with rings and poles with which to carry the vessel? Why can their poles be removed while in a stationary state, and not the poles of the Aaron? 
on a practical level, explains the Sefer HaChinuch. When and if the situation arises where the Jewish people will need to hurry and rush to carry the Aaron, were the poles not securely in place, the Aaron might fall, and that would be a catastrophe, the ultimate act of disrespect and disregard for the holiest of vessels and for the Torah, which is contained within it. To safeguard that such a mishap will never happen, the Torah insists that the poles are always kept securely in place. Yet another pragmatic explanation for why the poles of the other vessels may be removed while the Aaron's poles must be fixed in place at all times is offered by the Chizkuni, who astutely asserts that the other vessels were in places where the Levim or the Kohanim would need to walk and work around. Were the poles of the other vessels to be permanently fixed in the rings, the Kohanim doing the work and doing the service would forever be bumping into the poles and they would have to maneuver around them. The Ark, on the other hand, was in the Holy of Holies, where no one frequented. The only one who ever entered the Kodesh Akdoshim was the high priest on Yom Kippur. So there is no need to remove the poles. They're not bothering or in the way of anybody working or walking around. And this way the Aaron is ready to go whenever need be. These two prior answers of the Chizkuni and the Sefer HaChinuch supply a very practical solution indeed as to why the poles are forbidden to be removed from the ark. But one wonders if there perhaps isn't a deeper, more satisfying insight that can be gleaned from this mitzvah. The Kliakar offers an inspiring suggestion. The poles, he claims, are forever eternally connected to the ark because they represent the eternal bond of the Jewish people to Torah. Just as the poles can never be disconnected from the ark, so too we, the Jewish people, will never be disconnected from the Torah. The lo yasuru, you shall not remove, of the poles from the ark, corresponds to the lo yamushu mipicha of the Torah, that Torah will never be removed from your mouths. But Rav Hirsch takes this idea to an even more magnificent and profound level. Rav Hirsch observes that all the other vessels in the Mishkan are relevant only in the tabernacle or temple. We cannot bring sacrifices anywhere but in the Mishkan or in the Beit HaMikdash in Yerushalayim. And so too the daily lighting of the menorah, the Lechem HaPanim of the Shulchan, and the Ketoret, the incense of the golden altar. All of these services performed in the Mishkan are specific to the Mishkan or to the Beit HaMikdash. They are restricted and limited to only that holy place. The Ark, on the other hand, containing the Torah, is not circumscribed to the Temple. On the contrary, the Ark, the Torah, must be carried with each Jew at all times, whenever and wherever they are. Torah is universal and must be carried literally upon the shoulders of each Jew and in the hearts, souls, and minds of each Jew, whether in the temple, in Yerushalayim, or in exile. The Rambam, in explaining the reason for the prohibition to remove the poles, claims that it is to ensure that what happened to Melech David, to King David, will never recur. In Sefer Shmoa, we are told, 
that David HaMelech was so excited to move the Aaron to its new home that he placed the ark on a wagon. The wagon somehow hit a bump in the road and began to slip off the wagon. Uzzah, watching the calamity that was about to unfold quickly without thinking, grabbed the ark with his bare hands to prevent it from falling, whereupon he instantly died. Perhaps the poles are to remind us that we must approach Torah with the zeal and excitement of Uzzah, wanting to grab onto the Torah, to hug it, to embrace it, to carry it with our own hands. Those are the emotions that should overwhelm each Jew. The poles are there to remind us that the holiness, the Kedusha of the Torah, however, precludes that intimacy and demands an awe and reverence that can only be achieved through the distance that is created by those poles. The central focal point of the Mishkan, the Aaron, beckons every Jew to share in its building, participate in its beauty, learn and observe its mitzvahs and internalize its morals. Hashem wants us to yearn, to strive, to reach the Torah, to passionately and enthusiastically want to grasp its meaning and touch its core while recognizing that no human being can ever truly reach it, completely grasp it, for there's always another layer to unfold, always another dimension to learn, another tier to understand, and another facet of Torah to aspire to connect with. The poles remind us of the eternal and infinite nature of Torah, that no mortal being can ever touch or may fully grasp. Our charge is to unite with the goal of striving to reach higher and higher to connect with Hashem as we delve deeper and deeper plumbing the depths of Torah as individuals and together as a people. Thank you for learning with me in the OU Women's Parsha Initiative I look forward to learning with you again next week.